finally time for nerd news now. Not later. Now. Not tomorrow. The stuff that's happening right now. Matter of fact, I actually went on and pulled up a whole bunch of news that just happened maybe an hour ago. There's so much news, you would think, with COVID going on, that there wouldn't be a lot of things going on in the entertainment industry, but they decided to drop a bunch of news today. Super crazy amount of news. But first, let's say hi to Brainy, all the way from California. Hey guys, I drove all the way here just to be, wait, how did I drive? Hmm. <laughs> Brainy's awesome. Uh, he has a store in uh, California, Northridge. So if you're ever there, you should totally go visit and go see what all the cool stuff he's got. And he also is an awesome DJ and a very good friend. And a super nerd, which makes it perfect for this show. All right. So uh, let's see. What did I look up that I thought was going to be super cool to talk about today? First things first, I want to talk about Deadpool. Did you see the news that dropped today, Brainy? Oh, definitely. Uh, it's very exciting that they didn't change the rating on that. Uh, for those that haven't read it yet, Deadpool will get an R rating. And it will be part of the MCU universe, which is awesome. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because they also had another sub article that was, uh, where did I find that one on the comic book resources page, I think. But uh, they'd also said that, uh, I think Ryan Reynolds made a post about how he got Deadpool into the MCU. So I didn't get to open that one up and read it. Yeah, I, I heard something about that as well. I didn't I just like getting a chance to read it yet either, but we'll get to it tonight. It'll be funny to see if it's just him being funny and silly or if it's like an actual, like, look what I did. And if he did, if that's it, if that's the truth, because we've wanted it forever, that dude's awesome. 100% agree. <laughs> All right, so we're still getting the hard R Deadpool. And I'm kind of interested to see how that's going to lay out in the whatever film he ends up being part of. Because, uh, <laughs> well, since Deadpool's really good at breaking the fourth wall, I think they're going to use that to bring the entire X Men universe into the MCU, which would be awesome. At least I'm hoping that's what they're planning on doing. He, he would be great to hang out with Wolverine for sure. I can see them hanging at the bar. <laughs> the question we have, though. Who is the first MCU character that Deadpool's going to hit on? You think he's going to limit himself to just one at a time? I think he's just going to go after every single one. I should have finished that sentence. Who's the first one that Deadpool's going to uh, hit on, and why is it uh, Howard the Duck? I think it might be Nick Fury. I think he might hit on Nick Fury before he hits on Howard the Duck. Well, we know he was married to a demon, so there's no limit for him. He can he can flirt with anybody. That's what makes that character so amazing. You know, they've they've opened it up to anything and absolutely anything they want to do. Uh, he's not limited to anything, which could also be a bad thing as well. You know, uh, to some extent, where um, they might push the boundaries a bit too much. I wonder if they're going to ever explore that character uh, down the roads that I actually really liked when they were like 
when he was trying to kill himself, when like Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe, or when he was trying to go kill all the literary figures to be like, if all the people that ever wrote books died, then there wouldn't be books and then he wouldn't exist. <laughs> I'm not sure if they can do that in the, the film universe. I, I know it worked out really well in the comic book universe, but it's, it's going to be a tough one to do in the film universe. Uh, people aren't used to superheroes dying and coming back yet, at least. But I guess, you know, uh, the Thanos Infinity Gauntlet thing kind of did open that up, I guess. That's true. Yeah, I, I can see that uh, maybe if you saw him doing away with everyone that you ever loved, you might get a little bit upset and dislike him for like the 30 seconds until they realize what was going on. Is it, you know, can you really dislike Deadpool? He's, he's a lovable character. I mean, he was sassy to a, a blind woman, and we forgave him that. And he was pretty lackadaisical about killing, you know, most of the members of the X-Force, you know. That's Deadpool for you, though. <laughs> that is exactly how he wore it. It is so the truth. Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to remember all the other cool news that came out today. Um... Thing. I should write down total lists. That would be way better. What was the next thing? Oh, I saw that the, they lost the uh, producer for Willow. I don't know what that means. It was like production, like schedule problems. It wasn't like they didn't like It's, um, it's something I didn't really get to look into, but I did hear something about them losing their... But it, it could just be a COVID issue as well, where, you know, uh, they just might want to focus on something else for the time being. Oh, yeah. I think. Um, so you you haven't been going to movies, right? So Because I don't think there was anything actually released this weekend, which is very weird. We went... And, I didn't see anything. Um, no, I haven't been going out, but I did finally get the opportunity to watch um, Last Christmas. And, you know, my wife kind of reminded me, she's like, she's surprised that I waited so long, uh, knowing that I'm a huge George Michael fan. Um, and she was just like, I can't believe you waited this long to watch this movie. <laughs> Tell us about it, because that's interesting. I actually hadn't heard of that one. Um... Uh, it's kind of hard. It, it's, you know, it is a romantic comedy. It's uh, about a girl who meets, oh boy, um, you know, she's down on her luck. Everything's going wrong for her. Um, she meets this one gentleman um, who basically shows her, you know, kind of, I'm trying to describe it without spoiling the ending. Um, for me, however, you know, I was sitting here watching with my wife and my daughter and I think outside of the box as far as movies are concerned, because I think more like behind the scenes and how to write and how you know how to direct and everything. Cause that's one of my passions. Um, so midway through the movie, I blurred out what I think the ending will be, and lo and behold, it was the ending. Oh no! Um, so <laughs> um, and for the you know for those uh, Indian fans out there that are watching it, if you've seen Sanamre, you have seen. Um, uh, last Christmas, to some extent, um, it's Sanamare is an Indian movie. Um, 
it has a similar concept. Um, man, I'm trying not to spoil it. <laughs> but it is a very nice movie. And if you're a George Michael fan like I was, I mean, his, his, the entire soundtrack is George Michael, period. Um, man, how do I tell the... So basically, and romantic comedies, you would like this film then. <laughs> yes. Um... Yes. <laughs> hey, Mark. Hey, Jen. How are you doing? Out so far is that Deadpool gets to join the MCU, and that Willow lost their their director, and we were just waxing poetic about uh, the George Michael film. About George Michael doing what? Last Christmas, um, the movie based off of George Michael's um, song, Last Christmas. When did that come out? I believe it was this past Christmas, or maybe even a little bit sooner. Let me find out for you guys. Um, I know it's a recent movie. It's on HBO Max, so if you guys haven't, if you guys have HBO Max, you can watch it on there. And I think it might have gone direct to HBO Max, if I remember correct. Ooh. Yeah, I did not. I did not hear that song once. While out in limited fashion during this pandemic. Uh, so I survived Wham again, but I prefer to try to hear it as many times as possible. So I don't understand anyone that's trying to avoid Wham during Christmas. It is kind of weird because it's a song. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a great song. Uh, Jimmy World is a fantastic cover of that. Did uh, Taylor Swift? Um, you know, my daughter loves her version of that song. Sorry, my phone's ringing. <laughs> she answered. Maybe it's Alfred. Yeah. So, uh, so on this uh, Deadpool thing, I don't know what aspect of it you guys have discussed already, but is there room for rated R in the MCU? Because I, I believe Deadpool needs an R rating and prove that it can pull in the box office numbers when doing so with both one and two. But does the MCU need the R rating? Do you think it's a situation where the audience has grown up with, while this has been going on for 10 years, so the R rating is no big deal? Or, I mean, obviously they want to continue to get younger viewers as well too, right? So you think it's going to be very limited? to Deadpool, um, and do you think that there's, on top of that, are there any characters other than maybe Blade off the top of my head that even need an R rating? I mean, I can see a universe in which the Wolverine character is very rated R, if they wanted to. It won't sell as many toys to kids, but... <laughs> right. Um, I mean, I think Logan was awesome, but I think that was obviously like a, a one-shot one-shot deal as the uh, rights on that character were going out. Mm -hmm. So I just don't know if uh, I don't know if it if it's necessary. I know obviously a lot of people who are into comics are always saying there should be more action, there should be more violence, but that's kind of like the American way of thinking, but from a universal audience in both demographic and age, I don't know if it's in their best interest to just have a all-out, you know, rated R MCU, and I don't think they are. I just, I was just curious on your guys' take about, you know, if uh, if it should be exclusive to Deadpool or if it should be, 
you know, almost like a Marvel Knights type of situation where, you know, one or two movies a year can fit under that moniker. I, I do I do believe it should be more like a Marvel Knights thing where they, they do have a few titles. You know, Punisher can get a full-length movie now. Um, they can actually do a Luke Cage movie as well if they want to and go that route. Um, for those people that haven't read the original Luke Cage, uh, Jessica Jones books, they are very mature. They're not, you know, they're not as soft as the Netflix shows were. <clears throat> and they can continue that with a lot of different characters. Like you mentioned, Blade would be a great rated R um, way to go. And if they can get the Mobius uh, title back, but I guess that's sticking with Sony, isn't it? Morbius, rather. Yeah, and um, I don't know if you all mentioned this or not yet, but um, that one's been delayed till October of this year. And is, remember, it was originally supposed to be July 2020, then got moved to March 2021. Now it's in October, in all honesty, where it makes sense because it's a Dracula movie. And for anyone that doesn't call every Dracula Dracula, that's whatever, I do that. So Morbius is a Dracula, so... I think that fits in. That fits in October for a Dracula movie. It also it also makes sense because when Venom came out, that was in October, and it cleaned up in the box office despite you know I would say lukewarm reviews. Um, I don't. I, I'll tell you guys, I'm I'm kind of tired of the the Sony microverse in the sense of, you know, obviously Spider Man was like a shared deal and too big of a character not to share. Uh, I really it. I understand that Sony still owns those characters, uh, mostly being Morbius and Venom um, and other Spider-Man characters. And I, I know they, they need to profit off of that. Uh, but I just wish it was like an all or nothing type deal where they were an MCU movie. I think Morbius, if you know it's an MCU movie, there's going to be a lot more desire for people to see it. Because right now it's just like, Okay, it's just Jared Leto, you know, being Jared Jared Leto again, Leto Leto, tomato tomato. But I think that I have interest in seeing it, but that's because I think Morbius is an interesting character, and I know that leads to a darker, you know, path for Marvel, whether it be Blade, Moon Knight, etc. Um, I just don't you think people get tired of of seeing Venom with with no Spider Man, and you know, yes, they get Carnage, but. If Tom Holland isn't in this movie, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, at some point they need to start getting the battles on, right? Yeah, well, it's and it's not only a company. It's not it's not only the fact that it's two different companies completely. I had the same aggravation with Agents of Shield because even Kevin Feige at the time was like, "Oh, don't worry, it's going to mix into the movies." And I think Lady Sif was on an episode, which was great, and. They had a n newspapers of the different Avenger movie events in the background, and that was it. So that to me, that's not a tie-in, and you wasted all the great run-up of what Netflix could have done. Uh, with I, I don't see anyone better for Luke Cage than Mike Coulter. I don't see anyone better for Jessica Jones than Kristen Ritter, and I, I Charlie Cox is a great Daredevil. Um, Iron Fist, Iron Fist, Iron Fist, whatever, whatever you want to say about Iron Fist. But if you take those and put them in the MCU, complete, you know, seamless transition. So I just got aggravated with it not being like, hey, we're going to use, you know, I, I just don't think the universe should be separated anymore. And maybe that's what they're trying with Disney Plus. 
but that seems sort of like well it's our sandbox so we're going to play over here yeah. you know and not really share with with sony or fox or or netflix or whomever which i understand too it's just, it's just with the with the average person that you know isn't like sitting there looking at you know what company owns what character which was much more complicated five years ago before disney came in right but unless someone understands film distribution all this they just they, they don't understand like where's fantastic four been where's x-men been i think people so it's like when i see a morbius movie coming out it's like great but you know where like what does the average viewer think of that well, you also have to keep in mind that the average viewer does not know the difference between Batman being a DC character and Spider-Man being a Marvel character. Uh, it, it amazes me how many people walk through the door the first time. Um, they, they can't tell the difference. Like, oh, I, I don't know who, what was what. I just wanted this one character. Uh, in fact, and, and this is a true story, a um, lady came in with her boyfriend one day and you know, she saw some amazing Spider-Man comic books. And I was just shocked when she said, Oh, they have a comic book of Spider-Man? Taking that into perspective, the average person may not actually know the difference between a uh, Spider-Man movie being part of the MCU, well, outside of what they've watched in the last Spider-Man. So Venom might just be a separate character for them altogether. It's possible. Jen, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I, I think there is something to what J Brainy is saying is because I've, you know, I've done lots of like fun in the community events and we've done things like uh, trunk or treat things at Halloween. And I did one year where we had like a spinning wheel with like really basic questions on it in which people do almost none of it, like simple stuff, like who is Batman's sidekick? They could not come up with Robin. I was just like, wow, we need to do some education up in here. <laughs> did anyone did anyone say Batmite? No. <laughs> uh, like Batmite has come back into play for some reason. I think it was in uh this is getting super collectible nerdy, but in one of the Lego random blind packs, Batmite's one of the characters. And granted, there's like two series of those, and there's like you know 18 characters in each series. But out of 36 DC characters, that's DC's been around for 80 plus years. You're gonna pick Batmite, so I don't know if that was like a joke or what the deal is. I know that Batmite was Batmite was in the the animated incarnation of the you know Adam West series once it went from live action to cartoon a few years later. Uh, that that ends my TED talk on Batmite. But I don't, I think right now, I would be, I would actually be shocked if someone didn't know the difference between Marvel and DC characters, if only because it seems that if you're a fan of movies that you've just been bombarded, bombarded with comic book movies to the point of, I think you would just know, I mean, if you were in the movies at all, you would know from the tone, the pacing, the acting of a DC film and an MCU film. Because MCU's done a really good job of, like, m making it look all one sort of way and have all the characters crossing over and have a story through, you know, 19 movies. And DC's just, eh. <laughs> but, 
but that's that's assuming people associate those superhero movies as a comic book related movie or, or having a history in the comic book industry. Right, um, right. You know, they may not know the difference between Batman and Superman and Justice League being all in one team. Uh, to them, Justice League might just be them putting all together all these movies they released. In fact, if you have conversations with people that talk about MCU, they think the MCU universe is what it is. They don't realize how different it is from what the comic book origins were. Is that why there were some people out there that enjoyed the movie Suicide Squad? Because they just didn't know what was going on? Okay. I, I did not dislike Suicide Squad. Uh, but I look at movies like that from a different perspective, I guess. I wasn't expecting a huge story out of it. I was expecting a little bit of entertainment. And I got that, you know. I, I, it was entertaining enough. Uh, was it an amazing movie? I don't know. But it was entertaining enough. Uh, by the way, going back to Last Christmas, guys, uh, Last Christmas came out in 2019, so. Okay. Was there a George Michael hologram in that? Quite possibly. I don't remember there being. I was just enjoying the music a lot, and the story was good. <laughs> yeah. What, what Was it all Wham? Was it all Wham music? No, it, it had his solo work in there as well. Uh, I mean, oh, it's not sorry. just it's not just his music. There's, there is really a story behind in the in the movie, but you know, the soundtrack is basically George Michael. That's awesome. I I will uh, check that out. I finally saw um, Noel, the the Disney Plus original starring Anna, Anna Kendrick uh, and Bill Hader, and that that's a good Christmas movie. No one really talked about that last year when it was one of the first Disney Plus launches, but. That was good, and then I guess they kind of passed off Fairy Godmother as a Disney Christmas movie this time around, and that was excellent as well. Just two fun, light movies. Unfortunately, no George Michael songs, but they were good. G good films, nonetheless. But, uh, yeah, I, I really would like to do a poll, you know, the next time there's not a pandemic and a comic book movie comes out. A simple, you know... 10 really light trivia questions about what comic universe does Superman belong to and things like that. Cause I really do just think going all the way back to the Christopher Reeve movies and anyone who's paying any kind of attention, I mean, there's always going to be logos up or, you know, the Superman, you know, rights to DC comics circa, you know, this year or that year. I don't know. And I just think with the, the Iron Man, Captain America sort of being the face of this thing for the last 10 years, I think, I think people know they're Marvel and who who the Avengers are at this point, but it also depends on, you know, if you've ever set foot into a comic book store, I guess, because I would I would dare to say that a lot of people have no idea still that Umbrella Academy is a comic uh, written by the lead singer of My Chemical Romance, only because. I've talked to coworkers who they love that show. And I said, yeah, the comic's even wilder. And they're like, oh, there's a comic, you know, granted, but at the time that was a, a smaller publisher. It flew under the radar for years before it was picked up. But that was like in the top 10 of most watched streaming shows last year. So. And it's the same with lock and key. Most people don't know lock and key is a comic book based uh, movie. Road to perdition was a comic book based and nobody knew that. Uh, that was yeah, they, that was a hit back then, and nobody even they can't associate that with the comic book. 
and I would probably go so far as to say, you know, Scott Pilgrim also, um, manga. And there's probably a lot of stuff that's based on manga that I that, that I would know. I know that uh, Kingdom, the South Korean zombie thriller on Netflix, that's a manga that's been going on for I don't know how many years. And I've actually tried to get those books, you know, mailed over here at some point, and uh, it's still hard to find. So it's I, I don't know. Like I, I think there was two seasons of that one, maybe the final third one on the way. But then you have stuff uh, like Attack on Titan. And it seems that people who are into that show are so into it that they looked up the comic and bought or manga and bought it. So I guess you had that side of it too, where you do have some bases that are so feverish about it that they want to know everything about it. And then some people that, like I said, could watch, you know, see three seasons of Umbrella Academy and just not ever care to know that it's a comic also. I do think that's noticed, honestly, is that the, probably manga's better at converting people from anime to manga than the comic book industry is to getting people into comic books from the source material. And Japanese uh, artists have been doing a conversion of manga and anime since back in the 70s. I mean, almost everybody knows if it's going to be an anime, it's more than likely started off as a manga. Mm-hmm. What is, uh, just off the top of your guys' head, what, what's your favorite um, movie or show that's based on a manga? Vampire Hunter D for me. Okay. Um, and this one's a odd one, but uh, Grave of the Fireflies is still one of my favorites. Um, uh, of course, Akira as well. Um, but Grave of the Fireflies, it, it, it's got that really touchy-feely uh, kind of thing that goes with it. Um, it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful, and especially for when it came out, the animation was great. You know, I have avoided watching that movie uh, almost probably since I was like 12 and heard the uh, Roger Ebert review about it. And they compared it to like, I think either he or Cisco or both said it's like the animated star Wars, you know, like they put it, they had it high, high, high up there. And just seeing the trailer, I don't think I can personally handle it. Um, I mean, I have one sibling, um, you know, I have my brother and that's it. And I couldn't imagine anything ever happening to him. So knowing that, and I think maybe hearing like the opening line from the movie, I'm like, no, I can't do it. Like, I just, I think, I know I have to watch it once at some point, but it's going to be one of those movies where I watch it once and then I'm done for life. Just like uh, Life is Beautiful is another one. And that, that's more, that's a father-son thing. But I just, I know where that's going and it's nowhere good. I mean, it's probably great, but you know what I mean? That, that it just, that I can't do it. I mean, um, Two personal stories. One, I, I liked it so much that I made my wife watch that movie uh, when she was pregnant with our first uh, uh, child. Man, big mistake. Never make a pregnant woman watch that movie. <laughs> um, second, I, I have a coworker at my job. Um, you know, he thinks that anime is cartoons. I mean, that, that was his perception forever. Um, I recently made him watch it. I said, look, watch it. You know, just this is a great story that you should watch and he did he enjoyed it and his wife watched it with him um they loved it so much that they called their son and um you know they're like hey you really need to watch this story of course while he's on the phone telling his son his wife tells him you really have to watch it because this happens at the end 
And, <laughs> and her son's like, well, I don't have to watch it anymore. <laughs> yeah, Miss Jen, have you ever seen that? I have not. Now I'm going to have to watch it. Grave of the Firefly. It, it is a beautiful story. Um, that and Akira. Those two are you know, up there for me. There's uh, quite a lot more, but... Yeah, yeah, there's... I think... Ooh, I think mine is Death Note. I just... I, that story is so crazy, and I saw the anime first, and then I saw... I really didn't have a problem with the live-action one that Netflix made, and I, I was thinking it was going to be a series. I know... I think that there are a couple of live-action movies from Japan that never really made their full way over here, but... I thought the cartoon was great. Uh, I just like that was a really, it was it was it's dark. I mean, it, it's definitely like a, a dark comedy. It's got comedic aspects, uh, like the way you know L's behavior and you know eating sugar and candy and all that stuff. But it's it deals with like it's kind of a scary premise. Definitely not. Uh, and th and that's where I would you know never call anime cartoons because most of them deal with like really heavy heady topics um and it's just it, that's their preferred preferred vehicle to uh display these stories i it's almost hard for me to watch attack on titan most of the time because it's just so intense and <laughs> just so overpowering i you know i don't really like that type of uh i think body horror has a lot to do with it too but it's just like it's the the characters are just filled with existential dread like every five minutes so But uh, also, speaking of, uh, I mentioned Umbrella Academy. Did you guys see that they Netflix re released the official cast uh, for season three, which includes the Sparrow Academy? Oh, no. And people are already confused. So if you, you know, I, I think we're done with the, the, spo the spoiler zone has been um surpassed for season two of umbrella academy but they get back from their adventure and they it's either you know time travel alternate reality who knows because they went through these portals um that five created and now they're face to face with their dad who's alive again but he has what they think is like a new umbrella academy they've been replaced but it's actually the sparrow academy and it's spearheaded by ben which who is the same actor um now everyone else is sort of like i think there's one actor that people were mentioning was from you know the new degrassi high but other than that fresh faces uh it just looks like it's going to be awesome i can't wait for season three of that i know the comics are even crazier uh and we'll see you know just how far they take this series um but I think the uh, Sparrow Academy versus Umbrella Academy is going to be one of the big things to uh, look out for in nerddom in 2021. Excited about that. So uh, I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on that or just Umbrella Academy on Netflix in general. I feel like I need to go back and refresh my memory for the very end of the season. I can just remember the big confrontation of them all being like in the not really like alleyway, but just on the other side of the fence where they're all in a big circle and they're confronting each other. The, 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 they're all trying to get the one 
uh, what was it called? Briefcase? Yeah. Epic scene, man. I love that. Yeah, it takes, I think it's just a few minutes uh, after that is where the, the season ends, where they get back home and Yeah, and then they confront the uh, Sparrow County, but they're all in the shadows, of course. So it's like in their in their living room or whatever. You know, they have they have the massive house, but they're in that room, and uh, so you can't purposely you can't see who the actors are, except for Ben, which is dramatic. They say Ben is going to be Ben, but not that Ben. So we'll see what that means. I think it's just probably same Ben, but different personality, being that. You know, his brothers and sisters were not around him uh, to grow up. So he probably just grew up a different type of way. So that could be interesting as well. And they also obviously have a lot of guilt still for, uh, you know, for Ben's character. And uh, one of those whole, you know, hashtag justice for, which is, you know, justice for Ben in this case. So maybe he gets that or maybe people are going to wish that he stayed away from the show if he messes with Umbrella Academy. Who knows? Um, but Miss Jen, what what was the uh, third thing you said you guys covered at the beginning? We we had Deadpool, we had Morbius. She uh, called. Well, that? No, we just what talked was... about the the director. I'm excited for Willow. Um, I don't know much about why the director left. Um, you know, something to do with scheduling issues because of COVID, right? Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going into Willow. I you know I'm I might watch the movie for the first time in 30 years. Or I might not, but I'll, I'm definitely going to be checking that out. So, um, it just seems you and like I are on the same boat, Mark. I have not watched the original Willow. Yeah, I I have seen it, and I and I remember, you know, as a as a kid, being loving it and playing the uh, video game, and then of all places, going into Seven Eleven to buy the action figures, and they were like very we like. Very, you know, what's a nice way to say this? That they weren't really action figures so much as they were just like those PVC, you know, like they had like the solid base. I mean, just very cheap and stuff. But uh, no, I, I have good memories of that, of that film. I just haven't seen it in forever. Um, and I, and I, you know, I don't know if this is a, a prequel, a sequel in between both, you know, uh, I, I know that. Some of the original cast is attached, but it's just one of those interesting things, just the same way with uh, Gremlins. It's like, I'm glad it's happening, but I'm not going to put too much, you know, it's not going to make or break my year or whatever. Uh, so uh, I thought Saved by the Bell was going to break my year, but it made my year. So I'm, I'm, I'm really down with seeing stuff that was popular 25 years ago redone to see what can possibly happen. Because there's some stuff where it's like, eh. You know, at least you tried, but if either of you have not seen the new Saved by the Bell, I'm telling you, totally worth checking out on Peacock. It's just like, it's just, it's fantastic. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think it would work. It's way better than the original. It makes fun of the original, but like has its own way of doing things. And so I'm, I'm open to these old properties coming back. A lot of people get burnt out on it and they're like, can't Hollywood come up with anything new? But the thing is, the secret is, they'll tell you at film school, there's only seven stories. You know, that's it. 
So people that say, can't they come up with something new? They're like watching The Bachelor, and then they're watching The Bachelorette, and then they're watching, you know, Dancing with the Stars, and then they're watching Stars on Ice, and then they're watching, uh, <laughs> you know, American Idol, and then they're watching The Voice. So, no, everything's the same. It's fine. It's just, you know, there's room. There's honestly room for all of this stuff, but only to a point, because I don't think I can handle any more streaming subscription services right now. I'm I'm about tapped out. I think I'm at ten. I'm not even sure. I'm I'm about. It's just I can't even keep up with this stuff now. Hey, but Willow. That, this has been so long since I've seen Willow. Is Willow have Val Kilmer? In it? Is that his Mad Mar- Madigan thing? Yeah. But I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Um, again, I'm not sure if the whole cast is going to partake or when this you know takes place time wise or. Or what, but I'm excited about it. I think, you know, one thing that gives me hope for all these shows is uh, Cobra Kai, because I I just did not expect Cobra Kai to be this good. And uh, I just, I didn't sign up for YouTube Red or whatever it was called at the time. And I finally watched it, you know, it being on Netflix now. And I'm I'm doing a second watch through of seasons one through three now. So um, that gives me hope for for a lot of stuff. Just... uh, if if people if it's authentic and people are in the people behind it creating it and acting in it are into it it's got a chance right it all comes down to the writing for me but it always has a chance if if people on down the line are putting some sort of heart into it yeah i felt that way about season one and two season three for me was a little bit disappointing um I, I felt they kept repeating uh, everything from season one and two a lot into season three. Um, you know, I understand, you know, the Mr. Miyagi thing, the Miyagi dojo and everything. I'm assuming you guys have all watched season three, right? I haven't finished it. Oh, then I won't. Uh, well, um, what got me is uh, there was way too many references to Mr. Miyagi. It became the Mr. Miyagi show more than it was uh, Karate Kid or Cobra Kai. Um. I, I mean, I think that's an essence of the show. I'm watching, you know, like I said, I just watched season one again. I'm watching season two again, and it's kind of like, man, I didn't realize how much they were doing that in seasons one and two, and then they did that probably even more in season three, like you said. For season three, the big thing with me was one character just glaringly missing, and they threw her away with a line, and it, you know, that didn't sit well with me because it's like. Okay, there's not enough female characters on here, and you took probably the one with the most interesting story arc away. And when I Googled it, I couldn't really find anything on, you know, on why she's not in season three, other than, oh, she might be back from the creators. And it's like, oh, okay, did something happen? Or, I, you know, I guess that's none of the public's business, but, um, it's been a while since a character, since a, a character just disappears from a show without, no explanation and so that was a little bit disappointing because then you you know then you just have a continuation of the beef between the the two lead female you know karate students that are left and that kind of gets it's a little bit you know dramatically overplayed i think just as much as as the same i i think everything's just circling back around i think you're right but i i, I do believe the payoff the flashbacks and then the payoff to the flashbacks in season three made it worth it for me to be excited for season four. 
See, I, I don't mind uh, there being flashbacks, you know, referring back to Mr. his uh, training with Mr. Miyagi, but, you know, it, it seemed like the entire thing ended up being, oh, this has got to be Mr. Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi. Um, and, you know, again, we understand that his his life was uh, structured with from his learning from Mr. Miyagi, but I thought they overdid it with that. Uh, plus, again, without spoiling anything, Ms. Jen, uh, some of the fight scenes... Um, just did not make sense anymore. They did not flow. There was no reason behind it except for, oh, we need to do a fight scene because, you know, that's what we do. Um, season one and two were a little bit more realistic as far as why they were fighting. In season three, I think they were just, oh, we got to fight. I mean, when was the last time a bunch of teenagers got together and just threw a brawl in the mall? I think there's lots of good lessons to be learned from Cobra Kai. Like, Hiring your cousin maybe not be a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Mm, I don't know. There's some other ones I'm just thinking. Going, yeah. Probably there's some lessons to be learned here outside of the karate stuff. Um, I I will I will say though, uh, the flashbacks I was referring to that worked were the crease flashbacks, the ones that they shot for the show. I yeah. thought that I was like, pretty good. Yeah. I think that was beautiful the way they tied it all together. Why Kreese is the way he is, um, you know, the military background and everything. Uh, I think they did that beautifully. In fact, they should have done an entire series just on that story arc. That could stand on its own really well. Well, and then the I'll try to talk about this non-spoilery as possible, but the last scene and sort of inferring who that person was contacting. I think that I think season four can can just focus on the present with that. And then we can be done with all this, like you said, because it is like an oversaturation of stuff. Um I do like the the characters from Karate Kid 2 that were brought in. I thought those two episodes were excellent. Um but like you said, every other time it's just like okay, we we understand, we we get it, but Hopefully, season four, they stay mostly in the present, because I think that could be... That's probably going to be the end of the series. I don't really see where you can go if that... Once that accumulates and that happens, I think the series should be done, right? I mean, I don't think it can go anywhere else. You may think that, but if, as long as it's a hit, they'll continue it. Um, you know, this brings me back to the uh, 13 reasons uh, why. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought... Season one, that's it. You can't do anything else with it. And what they do, three seasons of that series, I believe. Yeah. I, I don't think I don't think those two were thought nearly as highly as season one, and that was already kind of like a controversial, risque show to do. Um, sometimes they leave it alone, uh, and I'll say, if my point will be proven, if there's not a follow up to Queen's Gambit, because that show just like blew up i mean awesome. in an awesome show as well i don't think we can touch that again though look netflix needs to cancel all the other shows and just do a season two of queen's gambit that that show <laughs> deserves a season two i thought that was the best show out last year uh that and uh ted uh, lasso those two shows are the best shows out uh, i mean there were a lot of great shows but those two up on top for me I don't know what it is about Ted. I, I love soccer or football, um, 
so uh, and I love Jason Sudeikis, so I know why I like it. But I don't know what that show is doing to speak to other people. I think it's just a fun, lighthearted show. But um, it still trips me out, you know, the character that his boss on that show is famous for playing. Do you know who that is? She was the shame lady on Game of Thrones. She was the one ringing the bell behind Cersei the whole time. Oh, my God. Didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah. but, in, but Ted Lasso, phenomenal show. The problem with all these shows that are like, they're basically carrying these streaming services. The problem is most people aren't going to pay, you know, for a streaming service for one show. So it's like, I'm trying to figure out, like, why is Say by the Bell not getting tremendous praise for probably being the most mainstream show to have the most inclusivity that I can ever remember? Uh, and on top of that, it's well done. No one's talking about it. My friend was like, well, no one's talking about it because it's not on Netflix. I think Netflix is everyone's default. And so, oh, Ted Lasso, is that on Netflix? No, it's on Apple. Eh. Like, it's just, okay. <laughs> like, I don't know this for most, for most people. It goes back to what you said earlier. You know, we have way too many streaming services, and it, it, it catches up on your budget. Um, you know, the only reason I have Apple Plus is because I got a new iPhone, and they gave me a year. And that and Magic Quest were the two shows. Hey, man, I watched them, and I enjoyed them. Uh, but I'm not watching very much on Apple TV right now. Yeah, I think there's the there's the Rashida Jones Bill Murray movie I keep meaning to watch and I haven't watched that yet. And then that that has the uh Emily Dickinson show on it, right? And that's in season 2 now. But you know, but the, there's just a handful of shows on there. So, it's again for for someone like me who's addicted to popular culture, I'm just like sign me up, whatever. But most people can't or, or don't want to do that. And it's not like we're getting cut a break on internet or cable. I mean, they've been clamping down on us for years because it started to stretch out. But if you think about what's available, at least in the contiguous United States, you're pretty much at the mercy of your cable company. I mean, I think it's something like 70% of people um, have to choose a provider that's also a cable company. So it's not like, you know, if if... 5G was free for everybody, and you didn't have to worry about that. Then you might be more apt to, you know, spend five bucks here, ten bucks here, twelve bucks here. Um, but we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, unless there's just a lot more mergers and conglomerates, I don't see it stopping anytime soon. But at some point, you know, uh, the the one that I I brought up probably five times total on the show last year because I thought it was going to end up being something was Quibi which was short for Quick Bites. It was the one that was all on your phone, and they brought back Reno 911 on it, and they had, like, all these stars attached, and uh, they they reshot The Fugitive for your phone, you know, scene by scene. And it just, what happens is it launches in March. It, it had all these, it had Super Bowl ads. It had all these, this run-up. It launches in March. The pandemic happens. People are like not watching stuff on their phones because they're watching it on their 78 screens in their living rooms. And they're like, okay, well, uh, you know, I, I don't see anything I want to watch today on Netflix. So I'll try Quibi. They tried to stream it to their phone and either it was audio with no video or video with no audio. And then it just, and then two months later, it's like, guys, we're done. <laughs> you know, we designed this for you to be watching while you're in a doctor's office 
or on the subway train or picking up your kid from school when you got like seven, nine minutes to watch a whole episode. And then we're we're not out there doing that and they just went under. So it's not like every streaming service is successful. Uh, and if you remember, Yahoo had their own run at it, what, three, four years ago, whenever they picked up Community to finish that out. And they had an amazing show called Other Space on there, um, which stars the guy from Deadpool and, and AT&T Girl. I'm sorry, I don't know the actors' names, but um, this is also a show on Yahoo TV. So you can thank me for that five-year-too-late plug. But that that it didn't work i mean like not every streaming service works and you know there's a lot that they're very specific and they're so specific and you gotta pay 12 bucks for them and it's just not gonna be around i i i'm pretty sure dog tv is not gonna make it through the next calendar year because i don't know one person who subscribed for dog tv because why would you pay 12 dollars did, did your dog subscribe you for that $12 for programs specifically made to play while you're out of your house to entertain your dog. Can't you just play, you know, something on, I mean, even Disney plus has that show with Bill Farmer, the voice of Pluto, where he goes around interviewing famous dogs or whatever. Just play that. Why? Who is, I want to know if one person out there subscribed to dog TV. I may have to do it just to, just, just for the fun of it. <laughs> I I think they had like a on, on through Xfinity once. I think they had like a sample pack or something, and it's literally just dogs running around in the yard. I mean, I don't know what what they would possibly do. Honestly, Mark, I didn't know there was a dog TV before you mentioned it. So <laughs> it's because at one point, I think it was last year, we counted out each how many streaming services we were subscribed to, and I think I was at eleven. And I was like, I don't know how many there even are. And then Dog TV, you know, I typed in how many streaming services are. Dog TV was on there. And it's eleven ninety nine, or at the time it was. Uh DC Universe is gone, so I'm I'm down one on that. But I mean I've got, you know, Hulu, Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, Apple, um, Peacock, but Peacock's through my cable company, Netflix, of course. Uh I'd have to re and and then there was another one. Oh, Shutter. Uh, even though I don't like horror, so I don't remember why I signed up for that one. Uh, and then there was the Criterion one, but that one went under too, because that you know. So I was signed up to that, and then basically they emailed and said, "Thanks for signing up, but we're done now." Okay. So it's just I don't know how much more of these we can take, and I think Sony bought Crunchyroll for an exorbitant amount of money, so. I would assume they're trying to, uh, you know, get that anime content for. I, I, I thought Funimation bought uh, Crunchyroll out of from AT and T. Oh, was it? Okay, well maybe maybe that's what it was then. Or Which then, or maybe they bought one and then someone else bought them. I don't know, but uh, someone's going to use the anime for something. <laughs> But uh, so, Miss Jen, was there anything else on your list that's not comics? Because if there's not, you can jump to comics. Um, no, I think we got most of them. I'm ready to talk comics. I like comics. Go for it. Okay, there's some so such cool stuff coming out this week. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. We wait for this for a long time. 
from uh, the creators that brought you uh, Ice Cream Man, which is a huge hit. We can't keep it on the stands at all. I, uh, sorry, Ha Ha. It's just such a funny title for a book. It's just called Ha Ha. Uh, and it's basically anthological horror. But the main theme is clowns, which everybody really, really loves and no one's afraid of. Um, actually, I, I believe it is an open format. Um, it's going to revolve. Yeah, it's supposed to be open format where it's going to be not just horror, but other formats as well. That's one thing I like about HaHa. Ha. It's going to be single issue stories and it's going to go into different genres. Okay, well, then that's even better because I love that. I can't just handle horror all the time, although I do love Ice Cream Man for its horror. Even within its horror, they've had some really good storylines that. Like there was one that dealt with dementia, which I think deserves an award of its own. Like if I get to do any nominations of single issues that should win an award this year, that's going to be the one that I'm going to pick. But um, yeah, that one's going to be really big. The next uh, Spider-Man comes out this week. Um, really, the thing we should be talking about is the thing that came out last week that broke all the records. Everyone, everyone, everyone is super excited about the High Republic. So how did that, I know that's a multi-tiered format or multi-format um, launch that they're doing. So what actually came out first? Was it a comic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the High Republic as a comic came out first. And then I think the novel came out. And then... Next, I don't know if there's a kids book that came out, but there's a Star Wars High Republic Adventures, which is an IDW Marvel confab. And then I can't, I know there's other stuff that ties into it, but it's like, I love all immersive things. So, but I, I worry that it's going to be hard for people to find parts of it, but maybe they've thought that through and have a lot of it available. But as, as far as the comic books go, the first books. In every version of it, I don't know that anybody has it on their rack anymore. And because we ordered a lot, and I only have my secret stash, and everything else is gone. We ordered five times of our normal uh, number on Star Wars. And, you know, it, for us, that's a low number compared to what, what Miss Jen's is, but uh, <laughs> it, it sold out fast. Uh, one thing I do like about this is, uh, and this is when uh, I, one thing I noticed on the trailer they showed, um, it is under the Lucasfilm publication umbrella, not just Marvel or IDW or Scholastic. It is under that Lucasfilm umbrella, so they're more than likely controlling um, every aspect of it, uh, and they might be making sure that everything ties in together. So that that'll be a plus rather than having the kids, the IDW doing the all age story, which is independent from the Marvel story. They may tie in really well. So that's something I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I, I so this is mind blowing to me. The second print, which has not been released yet, is already gone. Third print probably is too. I they won't tell us until after those numbers go in, but I am certain that they're all spoken for. It's uh, it, the demand is way outstripping the supply. I'm trying to think of anything else that came out during the during uh, COVID that was like that, where we just could never catch up. Maybe early Thor. Uh, some of the Venoms had that uh, same uh, issue. 
Um, I, I didn't. Have we placed our orders for second print yet? I don't think we have, have we? If you go in and try to make an order for the second print, it all says back order. That might be just because they're trying to control it, but I don't think I remember placing an order or that even being available to us. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I missed it. I know that Marvel made the announcement that it was going to happen, that the, and I've learned my lesson from other things that went to second print that were so hot that Marvel will announce it like as a newsletter thing, and people go in and they make huge orders, and then by the time FOC comes around, they almost like just skip it because, oops, <laughs> we sold all those. And that's actually a bad business practice, not not on Marvel's part, but on no. retailers' parts themselves. You know, they, they, um, I won't get into that. I won't get into that. <laughs> but I, I want to say on the I want to say there was an article about on the Lucasfilm moniker about that being on the video games from now on too. So they might be taking a more streamlined approach with all the Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. But and but just in comparison, and now I can't remember what the story's called. Doctor Who started this uh, back a few months ago. They were going to try this multi-platform attack, and it was going into like toys, like the I, the Eagle Moss statues and those books, uh, and vinyl records, um, which was probably too many genres to tackle, but. I haven't heard anything about it. Now, I know Doctor Who's not on the same level as Star Wars, especially here in the States. But um, it's a little bit surprising that people jumped all over High Republic this early. However, I think one of the things that probably got that excitement up was probably the speculative market dominated it because there was, what, like seven, eight, nine Star Wars shows mentioned by Disney+. Plus. So they figure like, oh, well, this is the next thing. And they're seeing like those books with like the the first Asaka Tano and and other characters, just the Clone Wars comics, which no one's had an interest in since the movies come out, just spike, 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 spike. So if these are if this is a whole new you know generation era with every you know every character is their first appearance, you're probably going to see that for a while <laughs> with with the High Republic. And then if it's good on top of that, I haven't heard any reviews of it. So if it's good on top of that. It's going to be a very uh, probably long and and lucrative ride for for all those involved. But we'll see how the novels and stuff. I, I've never been like the extended universe guy to where I go and buy you know the novels of of Star Wars, of which there are many, 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 because uh, they do that with Doctor Who and Star Trek and everything else too. But I've I just think- always been mainstream with the movies and comics and shows, so. I think the novel in this case is uh, written by Charles Soule. Is that right? Is my, yeah, is my... yeah, that is correct. He, he's he's going to be doing a lot of these stories, so, which I know people are very excited about. So I think all of the just I think it's the speculative market. And I think people were just completely floored by Mandalorian uh, and and just like what Star whatever Star Wars meant to them. If if anyone was unhappy with like. The other trilogies, like the non seventy seven trilogy, then uh, Mandalorian re sparked the interest of a lot of those people. I, I'm fine with taking each movie as it comes and and seeing the good in all of them. But some people who spoke very disfavorably about, especially the newest trilogy, just loved like just spewing gushing about Mandalorian. So maybe they're 
their faith has been restored, I guess, and they're just all in again until until they're disappointed. But um, it could be a multitude of things. But um, new Star Wars stories, I mean, always sell well, right? But I guess this one just caught you know everyone off guard in the sense of how much it sold because the bounty hunters sold out, right? Whenever that came out, six, eight, or whatever. So. And, and now people love Boba Fett even more. So, mm-hmm. uh, but what else? What, so what else? That was last week. So what else? Um, you mentioned one book that comes out. What else comes out this week? I know that there is a new AWA Upshot book. Which I cannot remember the name of, but I thought it sounded really interesting. So I'm interested oh. to post this week. Man's World. Yes. Yeah, because I mean, okay, so I don't know if it's intentional, the name of the book, but I'm a huge fan of Interstellar, and that's one of the worlds that they did. we never got to really see until the very end, that the one scientist that went, whose last name was Man, we didn't get to see it at all, so I wonder if that was an intentional, because it is kind of like, sounds like it's a space-based book, so I wonder if they're saying, here's what the planet is that we didn't really get to see. <laughs> Maybe, um, but and and whatever happened with that, I, I know I wasn't on the show last week, so whatever happened with that Kirkman book, the one that was sort of plucked out of the alternate timeline? Oh my gosh, I have I have people message, they know that I have copies and they keep messaging me, Miss Jen, when are you selling those books? Miss Jen, when are you selling those books? I'm like, I'm not selling those books until I know what those books are because I think we don't know where they tie in to the image universe i'm worried that it's something we haven't seen yet or it's something that we haven't seen yet out of the crossover storyline i know a hundred percent it's not a random palette of books that magically appeared at the printer that's what i know look uh kirkman and the skybound team are way too intelligent to leave a title just sitting there you know especially something that uh, those two guys have worked on um I agree with you, but I do I, I do have a feeling it, it has a lot to do with crossover or they're probably going to release this book later. Uh, they might just, you know, do 1 through 16 later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I have to give mad props, mad props to Sean Kirkham, who took my message very early on when I was like, well, hey, dude, what's this about? And he was like, well, I don't know. That would be a question for Image because this isn't a Skybound thing. Totally straight face. That dude, he's a good liar. <laughs> Mr. Clutch is a very, very good. <laughs> uh, another title I'm actually looking forward to tomorrow is uh, something I think people are going to overlook. Uh, it's Serial. Uh, it's uh, Serial number one coming out from Abstract, I believe. Uh, let me look it up. I think it is Abstract. Hold on a second. That's abstract. Uh, it's written and uh, drawn by Terry Morris. It, the, the story really, it's something I'm looking forward to. I think it's uh, going to be a story that people might overlook. Well, we know we love Terry Morris stories. Like, I think my, one of my biggest loves from uh, my early years in the comic book industry was when you could just like look forward to reading more about Francine and Kachu. Francine and Kachu are my girls. And Miss Jen, 
Uh, Miss Jen, to wrap up comics, anything else? I can't remember anything else. Of course, you know me. I did FOC right before I came on, so <laughs> my brain's in three weeks from now already. <laughs> and as I mentioned earlier in your show, Ms. Jen, um, this was a tough FOC. Uh, looking at it from the perspective of quantity and price-wise, this was a tough one to do. They've been very tough in 2020, but uh, having two titles which you cannot decide where to go, three rather, we had Star Wars Adventures from IDW. We had Last Ronin from IDW. And we had, of course, Amazing Spider-Man, which it's hard to see where that one's going to go. I ordered uh, an extravagant amount of all. And then, uh, so, oh, Jen, do, are you participating in a virtual con coming up? Oh, God. You got anything else you want to plug? Uh, so the virtual con is called EXP Expo. And all of the information will be dropped tomorrow. We've got a mind-blowing lineup. It's It will rival a lot of regular conventions for the names that you're going to see. And it's different because uh, a lot of conventions have also the pop culture aspect to it, and we don't have a lot of pop culture that's going to be part of it. It's all going to be comic book related. I think we have one panel that's on cosplay, and you will love it very much, because it's from somebody that uh, you will recognize uh, that does a lot of um, practical cosplay teaching, like how to do's. Um, and we've got uh, some surprise stuff that I can't wait to, for people to find out tomorrow. But there's like at least seven legends like people you would really call legends that are in the lineup so i it's so hard to keep stuff under wraps when you're so excited but yeah if you want to have something to do this weekend on saturday sunday and monday we've got 36 hours of programming so surely something in there you will like well we'll definitely be looking out for that and we'll uh we'll post that on uh, Nerd News Now social. Uh, Brainy, thanks for joining us today. And I know you're on the thanks, thanks for doing that. I know you got places to be. Uh, Jen, as always, thanks for your comic insight. And thank you for listening to and watching Nerd News Now uh, via Woodlands Online. Uh, you can catch us on uh, the Roku now. Just uh, go to Roku, download Woodlands Online Television. You can uh, see our past episodes on there, and you can also find the podcast version of the show on Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. See you next time on Nerd News Now. Thank you for having me.